Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And today we are once again joined by a very special guest. Uh, this is a real pleasure to have you in here. And uh, so Leslie Linka Gladder, one of my favorite names to say. It's a, it's quite a mouthful and yeah. I'm thrilled to be here. It's a beautiful one. And we were just talking about Japan right before we started. Right. And it's a very bad name to have when you're living in Japan. Oh gosh, so I live all there. the L's. Resri Rinka Grata <laughs> yeah. for five years. Yeah, that would that would that would be tough. Yes. Yeah, but you also you have a Twitter account. What's your handle? Uh, at Leslie Linka G. That's what I thought. I thought it was yeah. Linka G. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Cool. Um, so if you need to find her, you can. And of course, Miss Linka Glotter, uh, she's been working on Homeland for uh, its entirety. She, you directed four episodes of this past season, including yes, the first and the last. Yes. Um, I mean, you've you've directed, you're just a legend in, in the <laughs> industry. You've done everything from Twin Peaks to, you know, my favorite, The Leftovers, and, and so many more. Uh, so thank you for coming in That today. makes me we're, feel like 50,000 years no, old, but it, thank well, you so much. You don't look at, and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't act it, it's all in what's going on right now. So I love being a storyteller, and needless to say, there is so much incredible material out there, great stories to watch and be part of. It's a thrilling time. Yeah. But and yeah, Homeland. Homeland Season 7 <laughs> was tremendous. I mean, I know uh, people are always talking about Homeland, but I feel like this season got an extra boost of enthusiasm, and uh, it, it was relevant, it was, it was fast. Uh, it had great performances, and uh, you know that finale really, you know, brought it all home. I, I'm, I'm curious, just from the get-go, right? You know, what was your attitude going into the season, and and you know, kind of how did you settle on on the themes that you chose? Well, thank you for that. First of all, I'm, that you means know. a lot. Uh, one of the things that's been so amazing with being on the show is that we reinvent the show every year. And what's great about that is it stays new and fresh and it keeps us all on our toes. And what's bad about that is it never gets any easier. (laughs) (laughs) We're always going to a new city, hiring a new crew, kind of reinventing the wheel. Uh, And, you know, we've talked before, but we have a yearly meeting with the intelligence community. We go to DC and we spend a week uh, with extraordinary people from both sides of the aisle, no political affiliation, and ask a huge amount of questions. Alex Ganza and Howard Gordon usually start off asking what keeps you up at night, what's your biggest fear, and needless to say, all of us are panicked by the end of the week oh. because that's all we've been talking about. Oh. But you know, this year with what's going on in the world is a very unique one, and so we're we're in a time that is more divided than I've ever experienced in my lifetime. So certainly that was carried into season seven, you know, yeah. where people are are we are in a world out of balance. You know, the the no one is listening to either side. It doesn't really matter if it's good for the people. No one's reaching across the aisle. People are are, you know, in some way in stasis, and that's kind of where we begin the season. Well, I think it's what's so interesting about that, like that sh- narrative challenge, yes. as, as as is that, you know, this, this, I feel like I feel like what's always been really interesting about Homeland as a show is that it's political, but its politics are kind of secondary to the fact of like you know, 
the fact that you know there are real world stakes there's real stuff happening and that's all the stuff that kind of gets lost in the political circus of it all right um i feel like that made sense no, <laughs> no. totally it yeah. totally does i mean I, I one of the things i love about it is that there's a big picture view of the macro of what's going on in the world and politics and government and then of course it's juxtaposed with the personal the yeah. interpersonal mm -hmm. of you know very complicated layered uh ambiguous leading woman, you know, and it's so great to have a female lead who is that complicated yeah. and doesn't always make the right choice. And in fact, one of the themes that's dealt with this year is, what does it mean if you're not a great mother? If you love your child, but you have to make huge choices because of the person you are. And a man can make those choices and do all the time, but for a woman to do that, that's kind of an, you know, a topic that's verboten. You know, it's a, it, it's, it lands very differently. So for us, very exciting to deal with that. No, and, and you, you, you handled it so well because, um, especially at the time during that kind of middle, later half of the season yes. when Carrie was pushed toward you know, making a very concrete choice one way or another where, you know, she's got her sister saying, you know, I'm going to ask for, you know, your child to be taken from me. I want the responsibility of this. I don't think that you can handle it. And on the other side, she's literally balancing what she believes to be the fate of the free world. Like yes. it's, it's that, it's that big. And yeah. at the time, what I loved about it was the decision. It wasn't, it wasn't clear. She had a lot of balls in the air. There was still a lot to be kind of sorted through. So she couldn't definitively just point to this one thing and say, I have to take care of this one thing to save the world, and then I can get back to my kid. It was very much an ongoing decision. Exactly. And much more complicated really, really well. and layered than that, which I think for me keeps me always excited about the storytelling challenges. Yeah. And I think one of the things as well is my favorite Homeland scenes where we have two characters with completely opposing views. They're in the same scene. We're not making a statement about which way is right or wrong, but hopefully it makes you think about the issue. Yeah. You know, and done in a dramatic way. And those scenes for me are thrilling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, are, are, are these the kind of, do you feel like when, when you finish shooting one of those scenes, do the actors just keep talking? Yes, yes. There's so much discussion on the set in the best possible way of what's going on in the real world, what's being you know, portrayed in our world that we're creating. Because of course, yes, we do a lot of research and we're very, you know, when we did the whole sequence going to uh, Russia, mm. we're on the phone with the State Department, mm. you know, former ambassadors and high-ranking people, you know, can you have a conversation in a hotel room? And they're like, absolutely not. Every place is bugged. The only place you can have a private conversation is like on a rooftop or out in a park. So what they do is they pack this tent and they undo it, which is what we did in right. you know, yeah, the yeah, hotel yeah. room. You have basically a skiff. You know, that is the only secure place you can have a conversation. Everything else will be listened to. So that's what we did. So any time we're in a real-world situation, we're calling on experts to guide us through. When you have a, a conference in Russia between both sides of the intelligence, that both mm -hmm. countries' yeah. intelligence communities, that's totally based on how they would set it up, where the translators would sit... You know, yeah, and and the phones being left outside, absolutely. and the shot of all the phones going off when the when the pan yes. suit was a, a exactly. So, choice. you know that that kind of thing is 
you know, we try to get it right, yeah. you know, yeah. in that way. But it is still a story. It's not, you know, we get to look at all these things because we're telling hopefully a compelling story about human beings interacting. But dealing with Soviet active measures this year, yeah. given what's going on in the world, and, you know, there, this is, you know, propaganda by disinformation you know, used to create dissension in a place that's already as divided as we are. And I was really impressed with how well the season, um, I don't really want to say segmented those conversations, but kept the conversation fluid in a way that mm. was sensible. Like the, the episode structure allowed for uh, you to kind of see little arcs develop and little conversation develop with individual characters. And those points were made very clearly from point from episode to episode. Um, but in terms of kind of getting some of the stuff right, especially in Russia, I did want to yes. talk a little bit about the finale because there's a couple of sequences and scenes in there that are just that you directed that are just yes. outstanding. <laughs> okay, and sure. um, uh, first and uh-huh. foremost, to kind of set it up a little bit for anybody who's yes. behind or you know just a reminder for people who, who watched it. Um, you know, Carrie is is on the run at this point because she's trying to distract. Uh, she's trying to distract the Russians and Costa Ronan's character, who, again, I love Costa Ronan. Oh, so glad he came in. He's so great. Um, and she's trying to distract them because we're, uh, Saul and, and the rest of the team yeah. is trying to get uh, the agent out. They're trying to get the, the uh, Simone, Simone yes. out, of, out, of, yeah. out of Russia. Trying to and, buy time. And so Carrie's off distracting them, and Saul gets to the, the airport where they're right. trying to fly out, and there they get stopped. And there was this shot that you had from inside the car when the Russian agent looks in and it starts from Simone's point of view yes where because you think that's who they're looking for you think that the agent's looking for him and then very slowly as he continues to look through the car the camera shifted on the next shot to between Simone's shoulder and then another agent's shoulder and then it turns out he's looking for that agent and then it all kind of implodes and Saul pushes him out Um, I was curious kind of just I mean obviously those are great directorial choices and then when you're building that scene and when you're stretching that out how do you pr- approach that from a timing standpoint? How long, you know, they're trying to call the president, you know, to let him in, uh, to get him in through the gate. Carrie's still running around trying to distract them to keep that going as long as she can. How right. do you decide how long you can stretch that? Because there's not as many time restrictions anymore. Like the, the, the episode itself is over an hour. Yes. Um, and, you know, that you're not quite as bound by that. So how do you decide kind of, you know, what you can do as a director to, to stretch that out as you long know, as You know, it's honestly, it's a great question. And those are all in t- very intentional things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's intuitive. Okay. You know, there's a point where you want to give it as much time to let it live there and be on people's faces and not know what's going to happen. Uh, and yet there's a point if you go too long, you know, then it destroys that moment. So a lot of it is very intuitive, but it's always safer to give a bit more time because you can always tighten that up. And that yeah. was a very interesting day because we're shooting at the real, we're in Budapest and we're at the real airport. Um, and an area that was built during the time when the Soviets were occupying mm. Budapest. Uh, and uh, the, the actor there is a Russian actor who spoke not a word of English. <laughs> not a word. So the translation process of going from English to Hungarian to Russian 
back to oh, Russian, to Hungarian, back to English, giving directions. And he was great. He was oh, a yeah. former military, okay. had the most incredible look. Yeah. But the process was truly hilarious with the three different languages. Uh, it's, like, it's literally that episode of Frasier where they're, tra- where, where they're having the sword fight. <laughs> it's just, you couldn't even make it up. You couldn't make it up. Um, but it was very dramatic and felt, I had a friend of mine who came to visit, who lives in Geneva, and she arrived that day, and she had been a CNN war correspondent for 15 years and speaks fluent Russian uh, and had been there for the breakup of the Soviet Union, interviewed Brezhnev, and she happened to arrive on the set right when we start to film the scene, and she was just like, <gasps> you know, she felt like she was back there. That guy is so, so realistic to the kind of guy she was dealing with, and she started to help. Really? With the language. Oh, that's Yes, right. because our, our, she, she was like, well, she didn't actually say, the translator didn't actually say the right thing. You know, that's why he's not understanding. I'm like, really? What? So help, help me. You know, like, <laughs> it was just hilarious. Uh, that's fantastic. And of course, Mandy is in, you oh. know, Saul is in the van with his team and with Simone. It was, you know, it was a very tense, exciting scene to shoot. And Mandy's like just final push when he just, he's like, get the fuck off. Me. I, like, know, it's great. I know. Like he's just so angry at that point and seeing Saul slash Mandy get angry. And, and, and also not knowing guy. if the, if the vice president, President now president yeah, yeah. is going to call them back, get them through. No idea, and you know one of the things we've always done. It's a psychological thriller. There's always a level of anxiety underneath everything, and you know we do a lot of handheld, but not crazy handheld in the show. This year we really mix things up within scenes. A lot of the time before it would be like, okay, this thing, this scene is going to be. Uh, you know, uh, studio mode will be on a dolly. And then the next scene will be all handheld. Well, this year, and I think it creates even more tension and uncertainty, is that we mixed it up throughout throughout the scenes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that leads really well into the second scene that I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, comes later. It's, it's President Keene, Elizabeth Marvel's uh. speech that she gives when... Um, She's addressing the nation, yes. and what what kind of ties the two ideas together, like the that whole opening sequence, which is all you know based like very very fast moving, lots of moving pieces, and then it comes down to the suspenseful decision by the president that you don't know what's going to happen, right? And then this speech, you don't really know what she's going to get to. Like you have a general idea as she continues to progress through it, and you're like, okay, I think she might be resigning, and then, but you don't really know it until it gets there. But the what was exciting about the watching that scene unfold was. It could have just been a very static scene. It's just her talking. Like right. it's just her delivering the speech. And it's it's not an incredibly long speech, but it's a decently long monologue. It's maybe five minutes. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's a lot of time in TV. Yes. And it's a, a lot, lot of, of time, time for a show like Homeland. Right. And I noticed that uh, especially in the editing of, of how it was put together, there was a lot of movement and there was a lot of different framings. You'd yes. see her give the speech like through a camera that's in the room or from like a, a, a screen that's attached to one of the cameras recording it. You'd see it, um, you'd see kind of different framings of Elizabeth Marvel on your point. Um, and then there were the reaction shots, especially of, of her chief of staff, you know, who didn't know what was going to come. Yes. as a substitute for the viewer. Um, but I was, I mean, you have to balance that all the time with Homeland. There's a lot of those, of those scenes. Always. And, I mean, what goes in, is, is it about kind of, keeping the camera moving to kind of build that? Is it about relying on the suspense of the scene itself? Like, how do you make sure that that matches with some of the, you know, more intense action that's happening that comes before? Yeah, yeah. I, that's a great question. Uh, 
the way that I work as a director, I plan everything. It's probably right. because I came from being a choreographer yeah. where you can't cheat. Your leg goes up in the air or it doesn't. doesn't matter what you say about how cool you are. Your People are going to know immediately. So I plan everything, but that allows me to be totally open in the moment mm -hmm. so that if something extraordinary happens, you don't want to miss that opportunity because you're so stuck in a plan. But that's where I find my freedom. But yes, everything is planned. The intent was to show different points of view and, and to make decisions about where you would be. And some of it were surprises in the editing room, which worked better. And, but having, having the ability to move within that. So uh, making those clear choices and also leaving it up to when you see it all put together and where you want to intercut. Um, but I wanted to be sure that you saw it from different points of view, exactly what you said. You see it through the monitor in the room where she is and the camera's moving by. I put more monitors maybe than would be there. You know, that, that there were different large TV screens as well as small monitors that were the onboards for the, the cameraman. Um, and I also wanted to see it through what the audience would see at right. home. Yeah. And that she was so powerful, you know, that she sustained all of that. And whose point of view you were seeing it through, whether it was Linus Roach, whether it was, you know, her chief of staff, or whether it was Saul or her staff or the people in the room who had no idea, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was that, that's where we wanted it to live. And she is so powerful in that. There's actually a great story behind that. When, when we got the speech, all of us were just like, oh my goodness, yeah. you only hope that a politician will be a statesman and do what is better for our country. Put themselves aside, put party affiliations aside to do what's better. Wait, but there wait was hold something. On. Sorry, I'm, I'm, yes. You, a politician <laughs> doing the right thing for the country. I know that's hard. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. I'm just. Most unbelievable part of Homeland. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's a fantasy. Yeah. No. <laughs> Continue your story. I apologize. Yes. No, exactly. I, when, when those words came out, I was like, what? Um, <laughs> what year but, is it? But Alex Ganser, who wrote the episode, a brilliant, wonderful partner in crime, did not address that she was a woman. Hmm. And both Elizabeth Marvel, the actress, and myself as a woman were like, you cannot have a female president resign and not deal with the fact she's a woman and you know we talked about it this was going on for like a week we're getting closer to shooting the scene we still don't know what that is and he like went to sleep and came up with the perfect line mm. you know which like moved my heart when I read it for the first time and when I heard her say it on the set which is people will say that I'm resigning because I'm a woman that I'm weak, you know, but I can tell you that I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, that, that uh, if it takes a woman to shock people into their senses, well, so be it, yeah. you know, and it, it like dealt with it so beautifully in the much better line that he wrote than what I paraphrased, hey, no, was... but, but, you know, it really dealt with it. It's like, this is not an issue. This is not what this is about. But when she was describing how divided our country is, and you don't notice it. It's like the classic story, you know, if the if you get into the water and it's lukewarm and you they keep turning up the heat, you don't notice it because it's gradual. And then all of a sudden, it, we're in a horrible situation. So it's... Um, that's how dictatorships begin. Yep. Start slowly. Um, 
so to, to, to go back a little bit, yes. I love that you mentioned point of view. Yes. Because very I, important in Homeland. Well, it just it, I've been in this is. I've been having doing a lot of interviews this yes. week, and a couple of directors have also mentioned like how much they pay attention to, you know, to when you're in the scene, and it's I think the sort of detail like, unless you're a Ben and you're paying yeah, very yeah, close yeah. attention, <laughs> um, like it's it's not something you make, maybe recognize consciously, but you feel it instinctively. That's exactly right. So for you, like I mean, it seems like that's a huge part of what you're doing. A huge part. Of who is taking us through the scene? Mm-hmm. Whose point of view is it? And why are we seeing it from that point of view? And sometimes it can split in the scene. You can see it objectively and then from a couple of points of view, but we're very clear on whose scene it is. And I think it makes it very grounded. It's not objective, it feels subjective, even if it's about big issues. And I think it makes it personal. Therefore, and you know what you were talking about earlier with like Carrie trying to buy time for Saul to get the team out of the country, get Simone out of the country. She will never know until the very end, you know, if she makes it. I mean, she was perilously close to not being able to give them enough time. So she needed to be seen, but not seen. And also I should add, we're shooting that in a huge train station in Budapest, which we have no control over. Right. So, you know, it was... (laughs) Which made it exciting. Yeah. There were lots of people there, lots of activity, but yes. Oh, man. Yeah. And I I love what you talk, when you talk about kind of of the idea of of making it personal, too, because I feel like one of the the real strengths of, of this season was you know, how it came together in the end, because I, I, I felt like it was brought out in the first episode, you know, this question of, you know, of, of Carrie's, what she's willing to give up, and, you know, her sanity might be a part of it, and then by the end of it, that's what it was. She gave up her sanity to right. save the country, and then there was a, there was another woman, the president, who was giving up her everything, like everything she'd worked for as a professional for the betterment of the country, and it's right. like, what are you willing to sacrifice to do this? And you figured out a way to put it on both it's like to find both scales, to see it in the personal commitment of this agent and then to see it on the grand scale of, of this politician. Um, and it, I, I don't know, it just it really worked so well. And then that's you've got so the great. last scene of those Saul. And those, that's a theme that all I'm always pulled to. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, if, you know, I'm interested in people being put in extraordinary circumstances where they're forced to deal with who they really are. Like, I want to believe that if the bombs start dropping now, I will save all of us. I will be a hero. But I don't actually know that because I haven't been tested in that way. You know, so what, how important, where will you stand on your beliefs? You know, and those two women, women, Carrie and the president, you know, were willing to stand up for that. And that's very dramatic and and powerful material to be dealing with but even going back to like earlier in the season when the when Jake Weber who plays Brett O'Keefe the talk show host Mm -hmm. you know like he goes to the edge you know that one episode that Alex Graves directed beautifully where you see the FBI and the group of people that he's living with who are uh, on the at the compound at the compound and you see that bit by bit them coming together that you're you're like no don't do that if that didn't happen it wouldn't happen or if they weren't armed that wouldn't happen but you see the series of choices on both sides that lead to disaster 
Yeah, and yeah. It, it goes back to what you're talking about in terms of, of kind of modeling up that, that disinformation and yes. the, the, the danger of the disinformation because you saw it happen literally when the compound you know, when it exploded, when, the, when yes. the attack went down, and then you saw the ramifications with this guy because he survived it, and you'd seen him you know, be the blowhard and be crazy, and then you saw him kind of affected by it in a human way, even if he may never expose that to the public. So Absolutely. It was, it was, yeah, that was well handled. And, was you know, dealing well. with this, you know, this... Like, as we just did an interview, uh, a panel in D.C. that was outrageous with Howard Gordon and Claire Danes and Mandy Patinkin and myself, and we were being interviewed. The panel was being moderated by General Michael Hayden, mm-hmm. who's the former director of the CIA and NSA. So how crazy is that? <laughs> you know? And we're at the D.C. Press Club, and there are 600 people there. And, you know, it was all about the intelligence service in the media. Mm-hmm. And how do you pr- portray that in a way that is both real but also services story? And so we talked a lot about Russia. They had such different kind of questions than in oh, an entertainment <laughs> scenario. <laughs> but, you know, he, he has been talking about this post-truth world we're living yeah. in. You know? And that's a pretty daunting statement, a post-truth world. Like, I don't even know if I can process that completely, but we've certainly been dealing with the fake news, real news of it all, you know, for a while now. And, uh, you know, it, it, that that is going to be an issue that I think won't go away for... No, yeah, no. sadly. In our public zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, something I want to hear more about, and mm-hmm. I feel like I, I apologize for not knowing more about this, and so I've completely changed the subject. Sure. I apologize. Good. But you have an initiative dedicated towards supporting uh, women filmmakers. Yes. So tell me, t- t- talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. So I have been mentoring women directors for a long time, like a really crazy long time, like <laughs> 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so well, though. I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who eventually the conversation leads back to you. Oh, like, my God. Just like, Leslie Linkoglotter. Yeah, she worked with, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, and I started doing that. You know, I came out of modern dance. I was a dancer and then a choreographer, very female field, never questioned about what whether my gender would be, you know, something that would not, would be an issue at all in making films. Never occurred to me. And then when I started directing and started looking around, you can't help but mm-hmm. see what's right. going on. So I, I thought, you know, as soon as I was in a position, I felt like you need to grab the hand of the next generation. You just do that. You know? And so I've had, had women shadowing with me forever. You know, I, uh, many of the women I've mentored have great careers. That makes me so happy. And, you know, I just got a call last week of a young director who shadowed on Homeland who's doing really well doing her first pilot. Oh, good. She's never done a pilot. So, but there's some really complicated paths that you can go down doing your first pilot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's just, that's just part of it. You know, you just do that and it makes me so happy to see the success that's happening. Like I just had a couple of situations several years ago where I'm walking the red carpet at the Emmys being nominated for directing and one of my, the women I mentored, Dee Reese, was also nominated for directing. She was nominated for directing Bessie. I was nominated for Homeland and we walked the red carpet together. What a totally cool thing is that? And being able to speak to that. You know, as we're being interviewed. And I had that again with Sarah Gertrude Shapiro, mm. who created Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 
that's like a wonderful thing. It comes full circle. So what happened is Jen Psaki, mm-hmm. who was, the, she was the president of NBC Universal. Right. She's now at Amazon. Right. Uh, she came to me, and she knows that I've been doing this for a long time. And, and in fact, you know, we've talked about it at length for many years. And she just said, I'm in a position to do something about it. Will you partner with me on this? And we talked about what that would look like because there are a lot of programs for shadowing. And I think it's great. I shadowed when I was beginning. That's how you learn. You, you, you know, you're on a set, you see what the process is and what it takes to be a storyteller in this way, you know, with 200 people <laughs> there. And uh, I said, in my opinion, the only programs that are really effective is at the end of it, you need to offer the participants an episode to direct. Mm. I mean, it's one thing to be able to shadow. That's great. You right. Know, but you need to actually get out on the floor. And that's where change is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I exactly. mean, that's that's why I think, like, that's something Ava DuVernay said when she was assembling her directing staff for Absolutely. Queen Sugar. Is like, it wasn't about giving them, it's it, it was about giving them their first job so they could get their second exactly. job. Exactly. And, and if you don't get the first job, you know, you can't get the second job. And it's, it's getting over that initial hurdle. Mm-hmm. You know, and... And so that's what the that's what the idea is. Yeah, it's actually I feel like I've it's something I've been noticing more uh, with like you know shows in later years. Like yes, they'll they'll let their actors start directing more episodes. And right. Part of that is I think you know a comfort level and everything, but also like you know I there's so many directors who came out of acting like who yes. like used to like a. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, uh, one of my favorites is Roxanne Dawson. She's fantastic. And yeah, she's a she, friend. Yeah, wonderful. And, yeah, and I've, I've, but yeah, the fact that you know, I was like, my, my the Lana Torres from Star Trek Voyager yes, directed exactly. this episode. Yeah. And you know, you're on a set as an actor all the time, and mm-hmm. if you decide, and you know what character motivation is, and you know what each character wants in a scene, yeah, absolutely. But I think you know DPs can be great director. I mean, it yeah. doesn't. Everyone has their own path. There's no one right way to be a director or to be doing anything in the film business. You know, everyone. It's so singular. Anyone you sit and talk to, there our paths are all completely different. So you're going to use whatever you come from and build on that. You know, for me as a dancer, I'm very comfortable doing action mm-hmm. because it's moving people through space. That's what you do on a stage, you know. And but I don't care about blowing up a truck unless it's going to move the story and the characters forward. It doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. But so that's never, you know, somehow this idea that women can't direct action, <laughs> where does that come from? Any more than saying men can't direct sensitive movies about women well of course not you can see it historically it's Mm -hmm. not gender related it's story related and you know i've always said it i don't i have a son but i if i happen to have a daughter it should not be more difficult for my daughter direct than for my son it should be the same it's difficult for everyone yeah Mm -hmm. so let's make it an equal playing field and I, i think we're headed in that direction now i say that for the first time like i've said it before in the past and it's gone forward and slipped back but i really do feel like there is a seismic shift in that awareness Mm -hmm. and and people wanting to hear audience as well more diverse voices that it's only going to add to storytelling and you know i have been totally well mentored by men Mm -hmm. i have great you know i it's not about this is not about not wanting to support men. 
Right. You know, it's trying to level the playing Absolutely. field. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and and so that more voices are heard. Yeah, the yeah. only difficulty should be involved in the actual work. Like when you're when exactly. you're learning, when you're on the set, when you're doing the job, it's like that can be hard, and you can figure that out for yourself. But outside of it, the yes. politics need to go. Yeah. Right. So it, it, that so that's the idea of the program. New program. People have applied. We're just starting. We have a, ooh, yeah. I just hit the microphone. <laughs> okay. It's all right. Yeah. Um, we, we are, you know, the, so applications have already come in, and we have a wonderful advisory committee, and we'll be looking at all those applications, and decisions will be made very soon for the first group of, of directors out of that program. And they're going to get an episode. And they are going to get an episode. Just, it's so, so great that you're doing that, considering how much time you have to commit to just <laughs> working on Homeland, like to just doing you know nine of twelve months out of the year. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you could be overseas. You could be you know, who knows. So, so. but I, I feel like you got to make the commitment to that because that's where things change. And you know, I hope we're not talking about this same subject in another ten years. Right. That it will be a non-issue. We won't need to talk about it. Right. You know, and that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are so many people now fighting the good fight in that way. And I think, again, it's in the public zeitgeist. I think it's in a very important. Yeah. Hopefully it, yeah, it should keep going, and we'll do our best to, to keep it up on our end, too. Yes, raising thank the awareness. you. So, I think it's fabulous. Uh, just to, to kind of wrap up before we do our best thing, next thing, I, I just wanted to yes. ask. Um, obviously, the, they've confirmed that Homeland Season 8 is going to be the last season. So I'm you know, just kind I of think there's still discussion about that, okay. quite honestly. Okay. Uh, I think it's still up in the air in some way. Uh, we don't know where we're going next year. This is always the case right. at this yeah. time of year. I have no idea what's going on. We'll go and do our, our annual spy camp, as we call it, <laughs> affectionately. Uh, we'll go and meet with the intelligence community in D.C. And usually... From that, those series of meetings, uh, the writers will go in the writers' room and and start cooking up the season. Do you ever, okay. during spy camp, start like trying to mentally be like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Hawaii could be a real interesting place? What's going on in Hawaii? Right I know now. that exactly. seems like a serious Homeland place. Homeland Fiji. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's so intense. You know what's going on there? No, it's just that, and unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we're going to end up in Homeland Italy. I'm bummed. Oh, but Homeland. Keep pushing, though. though I did. No, it's just, it, it, a lot of the, see what they say. All, all of the conversation last year, there was so much conversation, actually, for about four years about Russia. So it, yeah. it's not oh, new. No, I, you know, and right. how much they've they've really you know uh, entered our electoral process and voting. Who knows? Who knows how deep it is? Because we haven't really looked into that. Yeah, it's um, been impressive, though, it's because very, Russia's creeped up in Homeland over the past, I mean, uh, more than the last For a while, two, like, because they like started talking yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's, that's kind like of always a, a When it was ISIS like, is. and Al-Qaeda, mm-hmm. and then they would always say, and Russia. And we're like, Russia? I thought that was like, you know. That's the 80s. You know? <laughs> yeah, I thought was, that was the Cold War. Um, the, the one thing they talked about lot, a lot last year was the Greenland-Iceland-UK gap. Mm. And I was like, there is, because it's a huge, you know, corridor of transport, mm-hmm. you know, and who controls that is very important. I'm like, I am not doing that. Okay. There is no way I'm going to be homeland, Greenland, Iceland, UK. Yeah, that is not a possibility. You would need a lot of layers. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, might just might cost too much just to transport all of the all of the warming materials. Exactly. Uh, so that that's a non-starter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm developing a lot of material, which I'm really excited about for you know next projects and. Good, good, good. 
good. Yeah, I was. I, yes. I don't know how you know you make the time. We we talked about yes. making the time for TV in general, but oh. like on on your end, it's like how you develop yeah. all these things and get your and and have such an impact in so many different people's lives and, and so many different you know areas of the industry. I'm just constantly impressed. So oh my god, I'm glad yeah. you're, well glad I, you're doing it. I'm hyperactive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in terms of developing, looking, you know, piggybacking off that, like you're developing your own material. Yes. Um, Let's say hypothetically, season eight is the last season of Homeland. Um, Do you feel like you'd make a similar level of commitment to a new show, or do you feel like, or in in Mm. what kind of show would that be? Oh, that's that's a great question. You know, I'm interested in a lot of different kinds of material, Mm. and in the things I'm developing. You know, it it spans a a lot of different subject matters. And in my career, I have I have done pilots of the Gilmore Girls. You know, what could be more different? But you know, I'm very interested in mother daughter relationships and hadn't been done before. I did a movie called Now and Then about girls growing up. So you know, as much as I'm interested in politics and big picture questions i'm also interested freaks and geeks Mm. you know about how hard it is to grow up so i'm interested in a lot of different kind of stories about the human condition so and i love that in tv i feel like i've really been allowed to do that you know rather than being pigeonholed you know in one arena like that's the subject matter you have to deal with but you know certainly i'm dealing a lot of the stuff i'm developing is is uh, fact-based, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and but that's not exclusively. So, cool. it's about the story. It's about the story. Yeah. It's about the story always. <laughs> All right. Well, that's very exciting, and uh, obviously that leads to our next question. Yeah. Which is, what was the best thing you've watched last week or or recently? Yes. Okay. So, needless to say, I've been working, Got and I busy. am finally back in LA after nine months and I'm sleeping in my own bed. Hooray. I can't find anything in my house. <laughs> like I'm like, where is the scotch tape? I know I have scotch tape. No idea. Yeah. Um, so I'm just getting back into oh, watching sure, things yeah. again, but I just finished watching. I'm up to date on The Handmaid's Tale, wow. oh, great. which I think is just, I was wondering, because I loved the book. I loved the first season. Where is it going to go? Because the yeah. book ends and I think they found uh, a great place to take the story. So that's been amazing. And I just caught up on Ozark. Oh, nice. Which I also, so I'm looking at old, you know, things that have been out a little bit that sure, I sure. didn't see. Well, that's but what I need to think. get some feedback of like, there's so much out there. We, you know, this golden age of TV is just, there's so much content. Well, yeah. I mean, on that front, Liz, I mean, what was the best thing yeah. you watched last what week? What was the best thing I watched last week? Um, you know, this isn't a cheat, uh, uh-huh. but uh, <laughs> no, but I've been uh, kind of, I think uh, this is what I wrote down. Uh, I wrote down that uh, rest, I've been rewatching Arrested Development season one. Oh my goodness. Which, and it's, it's just, it's uh. just staggering how much they were able to do and how much yes. they pack in every episode. And so early, so many of like the things we think of as iconic, like that show came right out of the gate knowing exactly what it was. Totally. No, that is an amazing show to go back and look at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially, like, given how many jokes are planted, like, it's insane. Insane. Um, so, I've been, I've been rewatching that. As for news things, I will say uh, shout out to the, John, the new John Mulaney uh, comedy special on Netflix. It's called Kid Gorgeous. Oh. Um, it's very funny. All right, it's, great. It's, 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 yeah. it's like, it's, it's like, a, it, it's also like, there's something about the way it's it's you know at it all it's a stand-up special it's a guy talking to an audience right but it's like I think it's radio it's Radio City Music Hall and the stage design is so beautiful so it's like a very simple like 
hour of your time, but it's very compelling. Oh, great. Um, and he's a very funny storyteller. He tells this amazing story about uh, Mick Jagger rejecting his jokes um, for SNL. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And speaking of looking at old things, when Twin Peaks came out this past year, yeah. You know, and going to that premiere was like going to the best high school reunion yeah. ever where you loved your class. Oh, it was great. like so amazing. So I directed for the right. original Twin Peaks. I hadn't looked at it in mm-hmm. 20 years. I mean, years. So I went back and looked at the original Twin Peaks and it was astounding. Yeah. Like I, I it was just like that was on ABC. Yeah. Like that was like a whole nother. It feels like it was the beginning of cable TV in some way. Yeah. Some oh, yeah. strange way. And but a lot it's of people credit it that way. Yeah. Like a lot of creators go, who are in, you know, and creating their own stuff now yes. look back and say Twin Peaks was wow. like, I think I can do something now. So that is you know, cinematic and kind of yeah. visionary. And yeah, it was a trip. But it's amazing to go back and look at some of those iconic game changing shows yeah absolutely i mean it was actually funny uh during a tca session with with david lynch uh for the for the return uh i got in one question which was how 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 is it different working for showtime than it was for abc and he kind of just shrugged it off and was like abc let me do whatever i want it was fine um it was great uh he's uh, yeah uh, but ben, I don't think they knew how to give notes. Like, yeah. what, what would you say? Oh, the lady with the eye patch? You know, we don't really like her hairdo. I mean, what, what would be the note? Yeah. yeah. Was so, Make know. her more relatable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that, do, the log, you know, the log lady and the log. I don't know. Does she have to carry the log? Yeah, you know, she, I mean, she maybe have a cat, something cuter, maybe. Like, I don't know. Exactly. Benjamin. I'd love to see the notes, but. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Benjamin, what was, the be- what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, so, I mean, I, when Homeland ended, obviously, I, I was very lucky to have another great spy thriller to, to move towards, which Ooh. has been The Americans. I, oh, yes. I still love The Americans. Great and show. It's getting ready to end, and, and it's been incredible. And every week, we have a we have an IndieWire Critics poll where it's yes. the best show on right now. And it's always been, it's been just, I'm torn. It's, it's either the Americans or Atlanta because Atlanta is also just incredible. So I'm just going to go with both of those. Okay, great. Um, at this point, by the time you're listening, Atlanta would have just ended the finales tonight as we're recording this. Um, and then the Americans has three more episodes. Uh, it, both of them are. I haven't watched this season because I, again, yeah. I haven't course, been here, yeah, yeah. but I'm so excited. It's such a good show. They and also well. sharing Costa Oh, Ronan. He, they were so Chris Long, who does the same job, pro, yeah, you know, yeah, executive yeah. producer, director, who's a great guy, and they were so great working with us okay, because good. the only thing was the beard. We <laughs> wanted to lose his beard on Homeland, mm-hmm. couldn't do it. That was part of the sharing, but yeah. yes, they he's were incredible. wonderful. He's, he's amazing. He's so I have actor. to just on a funny note, uh, you know, he's the new Russia in Homeland. Right. You know, the symbol of that and a different way of thinking. And that speech he gives about the Cold War, oh my goodness. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Um, so Ivan, you know, who is the old Russia, you know, mm-hmm. Saul era Cold Warrior, um, Costa's like six six. Mm-hmm. And Mark Ivanir, great actor, is like 5'8". Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. So doing scenes together were just, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, and you don't think about that, of course, when you're casting, you cast no. the best actor. Yeah. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're like, mm-hmm. When they get on set, you yes. got to frame them up. That's going to change things. Yeah. <laughs> 
You need one of those custom apple boxes that they made for Gillian Anderson. Oh, uh, yes, when, when she's, yeah. When she's filming with David Duchovny, it's impossible, apparently. Yeah. Can't, get, can't get them in the frame together. Nope. Costa's, uh, yeah. he's, he's worth it, though. That's what matters. <laughs> yes, um, he's amazing. They both are. So what's, uh, what are you looking forward to next? What's, what's the show that's kind of been sitting out there that you haven't been able to get to or, or something that you've heard about where you're like, I really want to explore that. Um, oh, okay. Well, I definitely want to go back and, and see this final season of The Americans because sure, sure, I'm sure. caught up other than that. Yeah. Um, I want to see that special. But I'm, I'm, I want a list. I want, okay. I want some. We'll get know, one to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah there's, I haven't seen Looming Tower yet. Oh, and that book. Yeah. Uh, had a huge impact of all on all of us at Homeland, but just in general, Lawrence Wright. You know, I mean, my goodness, it sets up how this all happened and yeah. how we ended up in the, the situation we're in now. So, I want to look at that. Yeah, Alex Gibney. Uh, that was his second, like. Uh, scripted directing like yes he, he came yes. in and did, he did an episode of billions then he stepped in and oh did my the goodness. pilot of of this and it's really interesting to see kind of how he blends like the his two. documentary tendencies yes. with this, and it's even baked into the narrative a little bit because he was an EP very interesting so, anyway good pick very good very yeah good so but i'm open i'm open to good suggestions well, i mean there's enough out there well yes yeah. you'll oh my be, god you'll be busy it, it is overwhelming yeah. mm-hmm. it is overwhelming to yeah. get behind and have to catch up for Abs- sure i mean this, uh, this is I always feel like, you know, we, when we ask, ask people this question, right. it's like, you know, creators are always, they always kind of feel, they always kind of seem a little guilty, which I, I feel like is always like, guys, you can make television or you can watch television. Oh, yes. You can't do both at the no, same time. No, you can't. I mean, during those nine months, and again, it's so long for us because I go early and we have to set up the whole season. So there are no sets built. We have to, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and we're primarily a show, a location driven show, but you still have some sets so you know you have to start over again so it takes time to find everything like if you're building a set versus you know finding locations versus setting it up in the in the train station that's still active i mean yeah it's a lot but uh liz what are you looking forward to next i am okay what am i what am i allowed to say i'm looking forward to because i watched some stuff under embargo yeah Um, i'm in the same boat uh but gosh um unbreakable commission um, no, they just released yes. um, some character details today, um, and I've been a little nervous about the season because at first all we heard was she's going to uh, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock are going to take on uh, bas- uh, basically the Me Too movement. Uh-huh. And I love Tina Fey a great deal, but sometimes she can like when she feels like she has to uh, tackle an issue, mm-hmm. she can get weirdly defensive. But reading like some of the character descriptions that they've they released, like uh, Bobby Moyahan is going to play a men's rights activist, which you know, perfect, great. I'm I'm on board for this. So, so that sounds hilarious. Yeah. Is is this the last season or is next season the last season? I believe they I, I believe they are saying season four is the last season, okay. but then uh, there may be a wrap up movie of some kind. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I so, remember they'd released that. They're splitting the season, <laughs> so I just couldn't. Yeah. Keep it straight. So eventually we'll get. So the, it's only six episodes that are coming out at the end of the month. So it's even a low commitment. Wow! But, but it's a show I, 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 I. It's a show I've been. I've been. I've always been a big fan of, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Well, so. see, I'm joyfully unemployed, so I have time to watch some of these things finally. <laughs> yeah, when you do click turn on Netflix, that yeah. one should be there, and at least it'll be bright, and you'll recognize it immediately. I'm like, okay, I don't have to look at the rest. I can choose. I'm going to go for that. Move forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ben, what are you looking forward to? Um, honestly, by the time this suggestion is heard by anyone, the show will have aired, and uh, 
my review will be up, but Patrick Melrose on Showtime. Oh, I um, haven't seen that yet. I'm I dying. I love her books. And, and I've, I, like, I got invited to the premiere, yes. and I've heard a lot of people talk about how well they honor the books, and yes. I've seen, like, just a, enough buzz where, like, I should be excited, and people cannot stop talking about Cumberbatch's performance. But honestly, I'm not overly familiar with the story itself, so I've, I've only seen a little bit of, like, a little, little bit of a clip, and then heard kind of tangential just conversation. But um, I'm very excited to see it. I, I, I know Showtime's really high on it. Um, so uh, that's that's my pick. It starts okay, Saturday, great. so it'll be out. The first episode, at least, will be out by the time this podcast is released. So. Yes, that was another one that I wanted to watch. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, yeah, never-ending list. Never-ending, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Oh, yeah. this was great. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Of so course. many good stories. Yeah, we'll, we'll you. bring you back for more Homeland discussion anytime. Yes. Sounds great. And you'll find that on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And please make sure to listen to all of our other podcasts. Podcasts, including Screen Talk with Eric Conan and Thompson, uh, Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast with the great, the perfect, the wonderful Chris O'Fault, and of course, uh, Michael Schneider's Turn It On Podcast uh, for all the relevant uh, breaking TV news and what's going on this week in TV. Yep. Um, you can find Leslie on Twitter at Leslie Linka G. You can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Leslie, again, thank you so much for being here. And as always, keep watching television. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you.